Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Good morning and welcome to another episode of Data Minds, where science and art converge. I'm your host, Gregory Ash. I hope my northerners are thawing out. I know there's another ice storm and snow on the way. Uh, we finally warmed up and dethawed uh, here in South Florida. So hopefully you guys are, you know, staying warm. Um, I know that we're very happy to uh, get out of the cold weather down here, even though you guys don't and gals don't view it as uh, cold weather. So today we're going to talk about hiring developers, and that's whether it be internal, whether it be third party, whether it be onshore, whether it be offshore, and what are some of the things that you should look for um, in hiring an employee or in hiring a third party, whether or not they're onshore or offshore. It mainly really starts with having a good project manager. So before you look to hire a developer, I would always look to hire a project manager. Your project manager is going to do a lot of the discovery and the scrum work for whatever project you intend to develop. Uh, it's going to save you an immense amount of time. There will actually be a workflow and process in place for the developer. It also allows you to set goals or points um, for completion, um, whether it be for user acceptance testing, whether it be for just internal um, clarification on how well the program is going, but it definitely starts with a good project manager to get the discovery, the scope of work off the ground and running. Now, when hiring a developer, uh, location plays a, a massive role in this. Um, obviously, if you're on the West Coast, it's a lot easier uh, to find developers and coders, whether it be full stack, back end, front end, than it is to say in the Midwest or to say in Kentucky. No offense to my um, Car Guy Coffee folks that are in Kentucky. Um, they might bash me a little bit for this one after the show. But when looking for that developer, most developers can work remote. Uh, some companies aren't comfortable with that. With COVID and everything we've been through for the last two years, a lot of companies have definitely opened themselves up to remote workers. So hopefully that's not an issue for, for your organization. The first thing you want to understand when looking for a developer is what languages you're going to want to code in. Um, this would generally come from your project manager, depending on if you're building a front-end solution, a back-end solution, um, you know, front-end solutions generally going to be React.js and things of that nature. Back-end, you're going to have to understand if there's a database going into it. Is that going to be on the cloud? Is it going to be uh, on a traditional server? Is it going to be a Microsoft product? Then you have to think about licensing versus something more of cloud-based or a Postgres these are all things that you have to think about in the program, and you can bring on a consultant um, in order to help you do this as well. Once you understand the languages, then your hunt can begin. Offshore tends to be a very popular 
um, route when it comes to programming and development. It is seen to be a lot cheaper. Uh, yes, it is a lot cheaper. When you're looking at dollars to hours, it absolutely is. My experience with a lot of offshore development is if you don't have a phenomenal project manager that can literally outline what every function, what every button is going to do, how it interacts with your screens, you're going to run into a lot of problems with some of the offshore programming is they're going to do exactly what you ask of them to do, and they're not going to do anything more. They don't think past that specific object and how it impacts other objects. So while from a dollars per hour it is cheaper, when you look at the impacts and the reconfiguration that may need to be done in order to add that secondary button or tertiary button or integrate with that API and how it goes into the database, you very well may find yourself uh, in the end spending uh, some additional funds and, and resources. So Project management is by far the most important piece of, of any development project. Now, you can still hire offshore development if you have an onshore project manager that you're comfortable with, that has enough experience working with offshore dev teams in order to keep them on track, keep them on pace, make sure that they have the information um, any schematics that are needed um, in order to, to build out a successful development campaign. There's plenty of companies that offer that service where predominantly they're a third party that does dev that is offshore that have um, local-based project managers that handle the situation for you. Um, I s highly suggest that you spend um, a large amount of time in your discovery and scope phase to ensure that that project manager knows everything that's in your head that you want that, uh, that piece of software or development to consist of. There's too many times where I, in my consulting business, where I've seen people just have a thought in their head, never say it out loud, and just assume that I think the same way that they do in order to build in that feature, even though I don't really know much about their their business. I, I know enough to talk about it and speak with developers, but I don't know the intricacies of that single function and how important it is to um, a user to have accessibility to those functions. So it really comes down to, you know, extreme detail. Um, think of it as a, a recipe when, when you're, you're baking a cake, you get an itemized line by line, grab your eggs, grab your flour, you know, this much water. When you're developing a product, you essentially have to treat it the same exact way as if you're giving someone a recipe. Uh, that's going to be what becomes your cake, so to speak. Um, and if you skip something, well, obviously your cake's going to lo look a little bit different than what you imagined it, uh, to originally look like in your head. A lot of people also look to a fiber or an upwork for, you know, small projects, which is great. 100% great. I think it's an amazing solution that allows people to work remotely. Uh, it's quick, it's efficient. Um, you get to work one-on-one -on -one with them. But one of the pitfalls that I've seen with companies that do this is they just go on there, they either post a job or that and look for people to bid on it. And they don't 
kind of read the fine print um, and not that there was any malice um, or intent in it, either from the developer side or from the company side, but there's very intricate things that are left out. One of the most prevalent is actual copy of that source code. I've seen a ton of companies say, oh, well, we had this program built for 1500 bucks from a guy on Fiverr. And then I'm like, okay, well, where's the source code? Oh, well, we didn't, we don't have the source code. Why should we have the source code? We just needed that project built. Well, that project at some point is going to need maintenance or you're going to update hardware or something's going to change in a database format. And now you don't have the code and you end up going out and spending another $1,500 in order to have a program rewritten. Or if you're lucky, you're able to get a hold of that same developer, but now he needs to reconfigure his code um, in order to adapt to that. And now you're stuck in a very bad position where you have a product that your company's now become dependent upon. And he says, oh, well, for that $1,500, I don't release source code. That costs $5,000. You're really not in a position to negotiate as it wasn't a part of the original contract. So if any of you have used Fiverr, a lot of the times you're, more professional developers or those who are professionally top ranked, they'll have a, you know, a three tier um, pricing approach where, Hey, here's the basic, this is what I'll do. Here's your inter intermediary. And then here's your professional package. And each one of those carries a, a significantly dis different price point. Um, even at the small programs that cost $50 to build, it'll go 50, 150, 400 or 500 bucks if you want a copy of that source code. Uh, so make sure you're doing your due diligence. And even when you're hiring an offshore developer, obviously make sure that you have language in there that you're getting a copy of the code, that it's going to a repository with version level updates so that if you ever get to the point where you bring on internal staff, they have access to that code in order for them to review it, in order to make themselves familiar with it, in case there's ever something that goes bump in the middle of the night, you're not able to get a hold of your offshore dev team, or that team has moved on to a different project, they can't get to it for another two-week sprint, you could be dead in the water with a program that many of your clients are dependent on and have really no way to, to fix it. Obviously, that'll lead me into the next thing, whether it's onshore, offshore, third parties. Make sure that you have some type of maintenance program that goes above and beyond your uh, development. This normally would cost you 20% of what the total development costs were uh, on an annual basis. Very similar to when you sell a piece of software. Generally, it comes with a management agreement that's 20%. Um, so let's say it costs you $100,000 to develop your software. You would then pay that company somewhere between $15,000 and $20,000 a year to maintain it. Generally, what that'll give you is it'll give you a single uh, quality assurance person as well as a single uh, development person. This way, if something does go bump in the night or something does break, um, at least you have the ability to exercise that maintenance program in order to get whatever issue uh, is resolved and get back up and running, keep your clients happy, uh, minimal loss of revenue, if any loss of revenue, um, depending on how, how bad that bug and fixes. Um, that's another thing. Bugs are going to come up in a program. Things are going to break. You can't account for anything, for everything that every user will ever do on your program and it not break. Um, it's going to happen. There's going to be bugs that arise. There's going to be anomalies that you don't count for. So uh, 
I understand that, you know, sometimes companies are, you know, counting pennies to get the dollars, but those maintenance programs can really, really save you a lot of, um, of he headache and lost revenue um, in the future. They're essentially an insurance policy uh, that, that ensures you some, some uptime, as well as if you have a software as a service product, your clients are going to look for, you know, service level agreements, some SLAs that say, what is your uptime? How, you know, if you go down, what is, how, how does that get resolved? Do, if it's a monthly fee, do I get discounted at a, if I'm down for so long? Speaking of uh, SLAs and legalese when it comes to development, uh, another probably the most important um, is to have some type of security level programmer uh, that is involved, especially if you have a login or there's access to sensitive data. If you're looking for a third party um, or even hiring, again, um, internally, make sure that they understand the security. Data privacy, we hear about it all day, every day. Uh, so if there's any type of login, sensitive information, uh, personally identifiable information in the background of, of that program in any way, shape, or form, make sure that all of the security is in place so that you don't get hacked, so that there's not a data breach. I can assure you, um, I've seen many companies go through this in my past. Personally, I've never experienced it at any of our companies, knock on wood. I uh, hope I never have to, um, but we take security. I mean, it's just, it's probably the most important thing when it comes to development um, outside of your project manager. So make sure that whomever you're hiring has that uh, experience. And if they don't, make sure you bring in a third party that does. Um, if you're hiring a, a third-party outsource and they don't have this, I would just honestly move on uh, and, and look at the next candidate. I believe that brings us to about our 13, 14 uh, minute mark in which I try and keep uh, the podcast at uh, to give you most of your day back. I look forward to seeing you guys and gals uh, in the future. Again, please don't forget um, have questions, comments, concerns, feedback, my question at dataminds.com. Until then, uh, I'll be shooting some more episodes next week. Look forward to seeing you guys in the future. Have a great day. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Lands Plus, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.